This is Honest Math Chat, and I'm Mona Eel of Mona Math. I'm a former math avoider turned math teacher cheerleader, and I'm going to get real honest with you about math classroom culture, engagement, math discussions, and all the student-centered instructional practices to help you empower your students to love and understand math deeply. So every Monday on Honest Math Chat, we're going to work together to make our classrooms places where students see themselves as mathematicians. But let's not wait. If you're ready to engage every learner and get them pumped about math, you've got to use math discussions. I welcome you to download the guide to engaging math discussions right now. Go to monamath.com slash discussions. You'll get all my best tips on how to guide on the side while getting every child meaningfully engaged in discussing their math thinking. As teachers, we're always asking ourselves, how can we meet our students' needs? How can we help our students? We see our job as helping students, right? Well, when we consider helping our students, we need the goal to be clear. What are we helping them achieve? Helping in the traditional sense is showing students what to do so they can successfully get the answer. Because we often think that getting the answer and filling in the blanks in the worksheet or workbook is the goal. We want them to get it. However, by telling students what to do and having them mimic those steps isn't helping them in the long run. If the goal is not getting answers and filling in blanks, or if the goal is not teaching students to mimic our behaviors, then we have to redefine the definition of help. So what is the goal of helping our students? Well, current research tells us what math proficiency is, and it goes way beyond answering questions and mimicking steps. We have the five strands of math proficiency from from NCTM's Adding It Up, and there is an episode on that, so you can scroll on back. We also have the Standards for Mathematical Practices, which are our current Wednesday episodes. So we have all of these things that we can look to to determine what math proficiency is. Because the goal is to help students understand, make connections, reason about math, and then justify that reasoning. So if that is the goal, what does help look like? We should help students have math confidence, to take that risk, that first step into a problem. We should help students build their conceptual understanding that will lead them to procedural fluency. We should help our students reason mathematically. And when our focus is on building our students' mastery of mathematical thinking and reasoning, not just answer-seeking and completion, then we can focus our expectations and support on that mastery of mathematical thinking and reasoning. In order to fully support our students, we must first set our expectations high. So I have three expectations that I think you should consider including in your math class. Number one, everyone can achieve deep math understanding. Number two, everyone is capable of solving the problems we get in this class. And number three, 
Everyone has something valuable to add to the conversation and their voice is needed. So let's break these down. Number one, everyone can achieve deep math understanding. When we express this to our students, we are saying to them that we have the confidence in them that they can do math. For some students, they may never have experienced this in previous years. Think of those students in your class that have failed or constantly don't know what to do. The students that give up easily or rarely take risks. It's those students that need us to express to them that we believe they can do this work. When a student hears their teacher say to the class, and maybe even to them specifically, that they believe they can understand math, that matters so much. It's also showing our students that we won't give up on them, even if it's hard. This expectation expresses that we know they can achieve that deep understanding and we won't stop or let them stop until they've achieved it. It also programs something in our mind. And I know you've been in a room with teachers that have been talking about how students can't. That student can't blank. This student can't blank. We know deep down in our teacher hearts that this isn't right, but it is so hard in the moment to focus on seeing students' strengths when there are things that are so difficult with that student. When students are struggling with so much or their behavior is disruptive, it's easy to slip into this pattern of noticing what students can't do and forgetting that everyone can achieve. So this expectation is a great reminder to ourselves to remember that even if children are struggling, they still have the potential to understand math. Okay, so this directly relates to the next one, which is number two, everyone is capable of solving the problems we get in this class. This one communicates that we all, in fact, will be solving these problems every day. No matter your current mindset or belief about yourself, you can and will solve the problems we get in this class. It also sets an expectation that don't come to math thinking you're going to skate by. Every single one of us in here, we are solving math problems. And then number three in our expectations that we must have for our math classrooms is everyone has something valuable to add to the conversation and their voice is needed. This expectation really communicates that participation is expected, not because of compliance, but because you each have an important perspective and we need your voice in our discussions. Okay, now that we've communicated high expectations, how does that relate to supporting our students in meeting those expectations and achieving math proficiency? So this episode is all about how can we support our students? And I want to share with you some research that I have found that really changed my thinking on this a few years ago. So Julie Dixon's work on just-in-time scaffolding versus just-in-case scaffolding has changed the perspective and the conversation on supporting students. The question really becomes, when do we support and scaffold our students? When I was taught to be a teacher, I was instructed 
probably like you were instructed to consider the scaffolds I would provide to students in the lesson in case they didn't get it. We would plan for what we would do to ensure every child got that learning goal. In retrospect, that was taking away the opportunity for my students to actually learn. The learning process includes an element of struggle and an element of figuring it out. When I provided these just in case you don't understand, this is what you should do types of scaffolds or, hey, just in case this part is challenging, you should know that blah, 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 blah. These types of just-in-case scaffoldings fail to allow our students to experience the rigor of the standard and the joy of figuring out that they can, in fact, do hard things. Often, we think of scaffolding as supports provided to help our students meet the learning goal. But Dixon's work has pushed us to think about when we offer those supports. Think of it like this. Just in case it rains, bring your raincoat and an umbrella. But also just in case it snows, you should bring your mittens and snow boots and a hat. Actually, today here in Chicago, while I'm filming or recording this, it's both raining and snowing. But just in case there's a parade or an earthquake or a fire, bring all the things you need for that. It sounds kind of silly, but We know as teachers that we are going to go to great lengths to make sure our students don't struggle or don't feel bad because it's our big hearts, right? We want to help them. But we can't possibly think of all the what ifs or all the just in cases. So what if we shifted our mindset on that? And what if we waited until students demonstrated that they don't understand or that they find a particular concept a challenge? Then once they have demonstrated that they need support, we can offer some nudges or prompting questions to help the student get over that roadblock. However, when we provide that support before the student has an opportunity to attempt or before they've even shown us that they need help, there is both an access and an equity issue. First of all, it communicates to students that you have low expectations, or at least that you aren't holding them to that high expectation of everyone is capable of solving problems in this class. Instead, it communicates everyone except you and you and you who need extra help before you can start this problem. Furthermore, it doesn't help students build their capacity to persevere. In the standard for mathematical practice number one, it tells us that perseverance and productive struggle help our students make sense of problems and that it's essential to doing math. We want our students to be able to develop these essential skills, then we're going to have to give them time and we're going to have to be okay with some struggle. Remember back to the start of this episode, our role. Our role, is it to help or is our role to coach, to support? If we continue to give scaffolds to students who struggle, then we lower that academic bar or the fancy term, the cognitive demand of the task, because we're providing these hints. Over time, the students that struggle are constantly getting these hints and tips, supports, and scaffolds. 
and they're being denied access to these challenging tasks. So what do we do instead? We should provide just-in-time supports, as Dixon describes them. This means that all students grapple with complex problems and all students have access to the same cognitively demanding tasks. Then, as students struggle, we support them just in time. But that might feel overwhelming, right? Like, so now on top of everything else, you have to be on, on the lookout at all times to swoop in and provide these just-in-time supports. I mean, it is overwhelming, but also it doesn't have to be. The main goal is that students learn to reason and problem solve and persevere through that productive struggle. However, we do need to provide our students with those nudges when they have come to that roadblock in their solving. So let me give you some suggestions to make this simple. Make your productive struggle time or your grapple time predictable. Same time, same place every day. And make sure your students know that each day for eight to 10 minutes, they will be asked to grapple. This is their time to really try some new things and take risks. This is not the time that you'll be helping them. And it's okay to make mistakes and not get it correct. Another suggestion is to listen to your students. And I know this seems so obvious, but really listen to them to figure out what they're thinking. Without your own agenda of what they should be thinking, but instead listen to try to get an understanding of their math thinking. And this will help you identify where they have misconceptions. Then the third suggestion is to pre-plan for those misconceptions and those potential roadblocks for students. You know the math. You've taught this before. So use a framework or a system to help you anticipate how students will solve. And it can help you then figure out what big ideas might occur or what misconceptions might come up with that particular problem. Once you've done that, you can then plan for those just-in-time supports that you're likely going to need to offer. You might also plan for which models or strategies that you'll share with the whole class to help them address some of those big ideas with the whole group. The more time you spend planning for the way students will solve will help you better understand the math yourself so that in the moment you can be truly focused on what students are thinking and doing. Because once you really listen to your students and you get a sense for what they understand, then you'll be able to pull out one of those just-in-time questions or prompts that you've planned and give your student that nudge they need to get over their roadblock. So as we wrap this up today, remember, your job as the teacher is not to tell students or to help them by making things easier. Instead, your job is to do everything you can to maintain those high expectations for students, communicating to them that you have the confidence that they can and you will be there to help them when they fall or they're stuck, but that you care about their learning too much to dumb it down 
for them by giving them that help before they need it. They don't need it. Communicate that to them. Instead, what they need is for you to give them the time and the strong community for them to grapple in and to fail in, and then to truly listen to them, to understand what they're thinking, and support them just in time. Well, that was your dose of Honest Math Chat for today, friend. Thanks so much for listening. It would mean so much to me if you subscribed, shared this podcast with your friend, or leave a comment. If you have not downloaded my free guide that I made in response to the questions you have all about engaging your students in math discussions, go grab it, monamath.com slash discussions. And if you have other questions that I haven't answered, shoot me a DM on Instagram at hellomonamath. I can't wait to chat more with you next week. Remember, we're here every Monday. I'm always listening on my way to work. When do you listen? See you soon, friend.